I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The World Cricket Show is proudly... Oh, see, I can't do it. <clears throat> the World Cricket Show is proudly supported by Newbury Cricket. Quality bat makers since 1919. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and this guy is Tony Kerr. Hey. Tony, how's it going? Yeah, it's all good. Thank you. It's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it? Well, it's been a lots, of, of, lots has happened. It's been a couple of weeks since we podcast. It's been, it's been quite a while since I saw you. Yeah, normally we hang out 10 or 11 hours a day, but um, I haven't actually seen you for a, a week or so. How's it going? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been good. Busy. I say that like we, you know, like I've just walked in the door with the with the microphones <laughs> in hand and and the the recording going. But we, you know, we've been hanging out for half an hour or so here. We actually, for the first time ever, you delivered on your promise to provide croissants for the recording. We're doing a, a morning record, a brunch recording. Many times in the past, you said I'll get the croissants in. You know, spread of papers, get a Sunday supplement vibe. You've always failed to deliver, but this time. Not only were there croissants, but you warmed them up in the oven. Don't mess around. Basically, we always talked about, you know, it's always the nice thing of a, of a spread of papers, but you know, I've left it so long that papers have almost become redundant. <laughs> yeah. And it, where do you get papers? It's a sort of spread of laptops, isn't it now? Yeah, so we've got a spread of laptops. Uh, we had some croissants. Well, I, you know, I contributed as well. I brought some jam. I brought a couple of little things of jam that I'd stolen from a hotel. Uh, yeah, and you, you provided the croissants, the tea. We're all set to go, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a lot to talk about today. This is our Ashes preview special. The cricket just keeps on coming time. We've, we've scarcely had time to draw breath after the, uh, the World Cup final, England's dramatic World Cup, insane World Cup final victory. Uh, and suddenly the Ashes start tomorrow as we're recording this. So we're going to dive straight in to this preview. It's a congested schedule. I think it's what five tests in six weeks. Kicking off at Edgebaston tomorrow as we're recording this on, on Thursday, the 1st of August. And that is followed by tests at Lords, Headingley, Old Trafford and the Oval, uh, where it wraps up in mid-September. I think this is the, the latest an Ashes series has ever started. The first time an Ashes series has started in August. It's the first time that two Ashes tests would have been played in September. Only one Ashes test ever in the past played in September, which was, I'm sure you'll remember, Tone. I'm pointing at you. You look bewildered. 2005 at the Yeah, Oval. I was going to say the Oval. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you were going to say that. It's easy to say once <laughs> I've said it. No, I was literally opening my mouth and you were like, the Oval. Well, yeah, but also snuck in. saying the Oval, you know, they all end at the Oval, don't they? So, yeah, well done. But yeah, 2005. Come on. Peterson 158 and all that. Uh, that was in September. But yeah, we're going to have two this year in September. As ever, it's a big series, isn't it? The Ashes. Here's my first question, Tone. How excited are you about the Ashes? Yeah, reasonably, reasonably. Uh, yeah, we could have used a bit more of a break, couldn't we? Mm. I mean, ideally, winning the bloody World Cup has really, really overshadowed this whole thing. Uh, but bit, yeah, yeah, a bit more of a break from the podcast. Just more break of a from everything. Really. Break from seeing me. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, we, there was lots of chat, wasn't there, about like, uh, you know, after the World Cup, what it's going to do for cricket in the country and stuff. Uh, I mean, there is a bit of Ashes buzz, but I don't. It's not. It needs to be a good series, I think, for it to, to capitalise on on any post World Cup buzz. But my, my main concern, and we'll come on to it in a in a bit, I guess, uh, just in terms of sort of series predictions and whatnot. But my memories of 2015, I think I've sort of flip flopped about a bit in terms of how I regard that series. But I remember at the time feeling pretty unsatisfied by it. It was mm. a bit of a, you know, it was it, it was sort of a bit all over the place. It was three two. A lot of people predicting. Th- well, loads of people were predicting sort of three to a bit of a you know, you know a batting nightmare 
that we're going to uh, it's going to unfold in this, front of our eyes. Time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, looking back to that last three two, I, it was just a bit like there, there wasn't the sort of tension that that you want. No, well, as I remember it, I mean, you 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 look at that scoreline three two, and you might think, oh, that was a real ding dong battle, what a contest. But actually, there were five incredibly one sided games. Like there, there was there was just no close cricket at all, really, in that series. It was just it was just weird, wasn't it? And yeah, that, and I, 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 worry I came out of it feeling a bit flat. Exactly, and I, I do worry that this could be a bit like that. In, in you know, it seems to be similarly set up in terms of you know where the strengths and weaknesses of the two teams are. Uh, yeah, weak batting, strong bowling, Duke ball, quite condensed series. Uh, yeah, so I, sorry, I don't know. So I'm a bit apprehensive. It's probably, you know, I'm not lo- like losing sleep over it, but I sort of slightly, uh, yeah, I'm hesitant to be too excited. But hey, I'm, you know, I'm fully prepared to be proved wrong. I ju- you know, what, what you want to see though is just at some stage that the, the match is going the distance, that, that there being real tension between bat and ball, and you just worry that that the, the bowling lineups are going to blow each other away at mm-hmm. various stages. And yeah, so it's it. But I mean, just yeah, talking about how I remember 2015, it was certainly reframed by what happened in the last tour down under, which I would have very much taken a three to England win. That was probably worse. And I think I remember <laughs> saying at the time, actually, I was a bit ungrateful about 2015. So I don't know. Who knows? I know what you mean. It seems a bit kind of churlish. It, it was perhaps <laughs> yeah. a bit churlish to be like, eh, it was a bit unsatisfying. Uh, that 2015 series when, yeah, the, the 2017-18, obviously, as an England fan, was, was terrible, but also, yeah, wasn't a particularly, I can't imagine it was a particularly enjoyable series for the neutral. Nor 13-14. So, yeah. yeah so, so, it's actually, 2015 was actually a, yeah, a real high watermark in the last few years. Is the Ashes that good? Is, <laughs> is a question, question. Worth, worth asking, because when was the last good one? Possibly the 2013 series in England was more competitive, but that still finished 3-0. You know, you possibly, you know, you maybe do have to go back to 2009 or maybe England's tour 2010-11 for a, a decent Ashes series. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into all of this. But you're, that's your concern, is it? You're, you're, you're anxious. Yeah. You're losing sleep. I'm, I'm imagining your bedroom like in The Simpsons. You know, it's just, it's all dark. Girlfriend asleep beside you and it's just two white eyes, two, <laughs> two round white eyeballs just awake in the darkness. Mind racing. Um to answer my own question, I'm, like you, reasonably excited about this series. As you say, there's probably a bit less hype about this one than there usually is about an Ashes series because of the World Cup. You know, we've had a like a kind of shorter runway coming in, haven't we? Like, there's been less, there's, you know, everyone's attention has been on something else and it's, oh, suddenly it's the Ashes, which isn't normally what happens. And yeah, you could argue that we don't need both a World Cup and an Ashes in the same summer. You see, it seems a bit like, you know, kind of overkill, overindulgence. A, because... But perhaps our appetite has already been sated uh, as far as kind of massive cricket moments this summer and it might be overindulgence to to have more uh, but also because you know I just feel like a World Cup and an Ashes both of them deserve everybody's full attention and you, there is the risk you know we've just had seven weeks of a World Cup there is the risk that you know one kind of cannibalizes the other but on the other hand you could look at it and say well England have just won the World Cup suddenly there's you know the the wider public are focusing on cricket in a way that they don't normally. So maybe an Ashes series coming along now is exactly what cricket needs to kind of capitalise on that moment in this country. Although, you know, not going to go into it, but the fact it's not on free-to-air, you know, possibly possibly kills that. But it it could be sort of just the ticket to keep that momentum going. And there's less hype about it, but I actually think it it could be a really good series. Like there are... I, I know, yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. We'll perhaps talk more about it, that there is a worry that it, it could be very low scoring, quite short matches i think 2015 uh i've written this down somewhere let me find it 2015 was uh the equal shortest five test series of all time lasted 18 days i think there's a pretty decent chance that this one could be shorter than that so like that is a concern but you know but there are some some intriguing storylines uh coming in particularly the return to test cricket of smith and warner and then australia obviously trying to defend the uh, defended the urn that they won uh, so comprehensively at home 18 months ago and bidding to win their first Ashes in England since 2001. So they've lost four in a row since then, which equals their worst run ever in England, so their worst run since the 1890s. And I think you would say, and we'll we'll get into the reasons why, but these are two pretty flawed teams, aren't they? Especially in the batting. But that actually could make for a great series. That often does make for a very good series. Yeah, you know, I think that's right. And I, 
it would take a really uh, you wonder sort of what level of batsman or what kind of strength batting lineup though it would take to resist the bowling that is on offer because it is you know you look at you look at the, the what we're potentially going to see and it is it's it's impressive stuff in the bowling department and so it's possibly it's possibly harsh to be too brutal about the the batsman like personally because you, you actually think there are you know there are there are good batsmen there you know whether they're going to be able to cope with that i don't know but especially in england with the jeep ball yeah uh if, it's, if it swings around it's difficult for anybody you know even virat kohli's had problems steve smith is you know one of the great batsmen of the modern era you know he struggled when the ball swung in england last time yeah quite so you know you, you've you know you've got in theory in Rutan and smith you know two of the top four or five batsmen in the world you know some you have some other players who are you know more than capable of you know on their day dominant but yeah it'll be it, it you know it's probably it's tough to be too too harsh i mean i guess england's england have got some quite glaring frailties in the batting department i, I suppose australia also but just a bit short of quality yeah i think but it's, at the shot yeah sorry at the sharp end you know in theory there's good batsmen on the show. Well, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. Like, I, I, I take your point, but I think one compounds the other. Like, I think they are extremely good bowling attacks, but they're up against pretty fragile batting lineups. Therefore, we could see some very low totals. You know, it's it's not that it's a very good bowling lineup against a very good batting lineup. And, you, you know, you'd expect this kind of uh, titanic contest that it could be a bit of a push, you know, it could be a bit of a bit of a walkover for these these bowling attacks potentially as you say there are some some world-class batsmen on show but there are also some very uh, very green batsmen you know in the england team the likes of burns and denley don't have much experience i do think it's a bit of both and yes you know they are very good bowling attacks but england have england's batting has struggled everywhere Against all around everyone, the world yeah. for a long time so i don't think you can argue that it's it's strong but i mean we'll we'll get into it let, let, let's we'll talk about australia later but let's let's start with England and let's let's start the start actually with a, a test match that England have played since we last recorded a podcast so last week just 10 days after the World Cup final they were back at Lords or the Red Bull team was back at Lords uh, for what was England's first ever test match against Ireland and it was a it was an interesting game it was a pretty strange game England won the toss chose the bat first and they were bowled out inside the first session for just 85 Tim Murta recording extraordinary bowling figures of five for 13 and Mark Adair with three for 32. Ireland were then going along brilliantly. They were 132 for two at one point. Uh, but England's fast bowlers pulled something together. Three wickets apiece for Broad, Curran and Ollie Stone uh, as Ireland collapsed to be 207 all out. So that was still a decent lead, but England were back in the game. Well, then it, it got even stranger because that was right at the end of day one and Jack Leach uh, came out to bat as a night watchman opening the batting and he on the second day went off and and scored some runs he made 92 Jason Roy on debut with 72 England this time made 303 that still set Ireland only 182 and they would have felt you know coming in on on the third morning they would have felt pretty confident that they might be able to chase it down but then just an extraordinary 15.4 overs uh, as Stuart Broad and Chris Wokes Blue Island away, four wickets for Broad, six for Wokes. They were bowled out for 38, which is the lowest total ever at Lords and one of the lowest totals in the history of Test cricket. So, yeah, I mean, this was a bizarre game tone. As I say, England bowled out for 85 inside that first session, yet they still won the game by over 100 runs. Yeah, bonkers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not necessarily the ideal kind of warm-up, was it, for the Ashes? Uh, I mean, yeah, great occasion. It provided some amazing moments and, a, a, you know, I think for Ireland, you know, obviously they'll be you know, pretty disappointed in how it finished. But, you know, I think people will remember for a long time, uh, you know, Murta's five wickets, yeah, in that first innings. And and Mark Adair as well, doing doing really well. Mark Adair. Uh, <laughs> Mark Adair. <laughs> yeah, it'll be special memories, although, yeah. I mean, 38 is semi-remarkable. <laughs> well, it's probably more than semi-remarkable. I mean, yeah, it... it, it I suppose in a way, like it might be wrong to dwell too long on it because I think it, it was just a, a, a weird game. It was a pretty unique moment kind of post-World Cup hangover. It wasn't England's first choice team, but I did think the performance for England, I mean, we, yeah, we talk about, you know, it's the Ashes were expecting the bowlers to be on top. Well, the bowlers were certainly on top in, in this one. and But not just the batting. I thought actually the, the performance for England on the first day was unacceptable, really. I mean, it, 
from like everything. I think it was a, a, a bad selection from the start. They played six bowlers, including two spinners. Um, Moeen batting at six, which is probably four places too high for him at the moment. And, you know, it, it's obviously, it was a game where they were always going to play a, a slightly second string team and it's a kind of warm up match. But it just seemed a bit disrespectful of Ireland, I think. Like it, the, they didn't think they needed batsmen. And as, yeah, given the recent history that England have got, you know, thinking that they don't need batsmen is 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 an odd, it's yeah, an odd, which, it's an odd, it's an odd way to come down on the on the decision, isn't it? Which comes back to this thing I've talked about so many times, but I just I don't think England get it. I don't think the England people in charge of the England team at the moment like appreciate the problem that they have in the bat. I don't think they do. I don't think they think they have the problem that everyone else thinks they have. And yeah, they they just obviously decided they didn't need batsmen or they didn't need that many batsmen so a yeah, bad selection wrong decision at the toss like choosing to bat pretty dismal application with the bat bold too short catches went down like johnny bairstow behind the stumps kind of left one that would have been a comfortable take for him uh, left it to first slip who who missed it i don't know it was just a bit of a horror show really in all departments so but i don't know like is it is it is it fair to to criticize him for that or or yeah as i say do you just kind of write it off and say they're a bit like hung over perhaps literally from the world cup final and you know just move on yeah I, I, exactly i don't think there's a huge amount to read into it really uh i, I mean i agree there's a there's an element of that kind of odd selection policy so it, it sort of fits the pattern in a sense but in terms of a, of a match and and you know what it means for the individual players that yeah i think we can just Give them a break. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but yeah, but yeah, as you said, like having picked two spinners, you know what they bowled? What seven overs between them in the match? Uh, yeah, an embarrassment of, of, of riches in the bowling department, and and you know what use was that in the end? You know, only, obviously only Broad and Wokes were needed in the second innings. So like, you know, Ollie Stone bowled twelve overs. Mm. It was it was very strange. I mean, they, you know, to, to to give England credit, they obviously did turn it around in the second innings, both with the bat to some extent. And then, yeah, very much with the ball. But that, you know, as you say, that was just two players, Wakes and Broad. But in those conditions, they were just too much for the Irish bowlers. And I felt desperately sorry for Ireland because suddenly they were impossible conditions yeah. to bat in. It was really dark, really gloomy. It was actually raining a little bit. The ball was swinging around corners. I, I, I just feel sorry for them because they were brilliant for the first two days. And they would have turned up on Friday with, you know, with genuine hopes, perhaps even expectations of a what would have been a historic victory and then it ended up being a, like a humiliation which is a bit strong perhaps but 38 all out it's it's tough to get away from I mean you know that even, like, even our school team team would have uh, not been too proud of that I mean we, it would have added to the list of, I mean, it would have been only been third probably on our list <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have been our worst ever performance but so yeah I think England got away with it really Wokes and Broad digging them out of a hole the batting Possibly in both innings was pretty atrocious. I mean, yes, they made 300 in the second innings, but 92 of those were from from Jack Leach, from the Night Watchman. And you could say it's not England's first choice team, which you know we just talked about. It wasn't England's first choice team, but it was probably their first choice top four, or at least it was going to be their first choice top four before this game. Burns, Roy, Denny, and Root, and yeah, with with Pat Cummins and Co. looming. I don't know how how worried are you about England's batting coming into this Ashes series, Tone? Uh, be, yeah, not confident. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. I mean, even like even as recently as in the, that series in the Caribbean, it was awful again. And it has been, as we say, we, as we said earlier, it has been for years. I mean, what can they do? Or well, one thing they are going to do, apparently, uh, that like they're not necessarily going to change the personnel from that Ireland game, but they it looks like they're going to change the batting order. So. The word is that, that Joe Root has, has finally relented, has finally uh, given in and agreed to, to move himself up one place from four to three. What do you make of that decision? Do you think that's the right move? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think they've got many places to go now, have they? So, uh, yeah, I think that is the right move. It's, it's just, it's, I don't know how you describe this England batting lineup at the moment. It's, it's sort of a bit scatty, uh, flimsy. Jason Roy coming in at the top. Yeah, he's obviously you know an outstanding, an outstanding, outstanding batsman. It'll be, it could go either way. You know, I don't know whether you know. Obviously, Warner at the other end uh, for Australia. If Roy can become as solid as he is, you know, and explosive, then then yeah, that's yeah, I'll be a real asset. But again, that you know, he could fail in this series. Well, yeah, 
that's an argument that that people make in support of Roy's introduction to test cricket is oh well you know look at David Warner like as in Roy's an outstanding white ball player not just an outstanding white ball player but as you said an outstanding outstanding white ball player um top top player top top player top 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 player and you know so anyone saying oh well yes he can do it in white ball cricket but can he translate into that into test cricket has he got the technique well people would say oh well look at David Warner people said the same about him and now he's you know or, or at least was before the ban one of the best test batsman in the world Verinder Sevag another example like just you know because you're brilliant and aggressive in white ball cricket doesn't mean you can't bat in test cricket like that, that you know that, that that there isn't a kind of logical connection between the two things but equally just because David Warner was able to do it doesn't mean Jason Roy can do it yeah and, we just yeah. don't know about Roy yet I don't, and, that, and that's you know that is an exciting thing uh, yeah we'll know a lot more in seven weeks or six weeks but uh you know, I think it, it, it's it, it's a selection I would, uh, you know, I back and I, I think, yeah, we want, you know, it's good to see him in there. Well, I think you're right. I mean, I have to say I'm not 100% convinced because I do, I am one of those people who worries a little bit about his technique. And, it, you know, he obviously scored some runs in the second innings against Ireland, but we still saw in both innings just a few occasions where he was really kind of going at the ball with his hands out in front of him. And I, you know, you wonder, is he going to leave the ball enough? Like he, he seemed to, certainly in the first innings, he was playing a shot at everything, especially now in England with the juke ball against this bowling attack. It's just different to, to white ball cricket. There's slips in place, the red ball's moving. He's going to nick off a lot if he keeps doing that. And he's got to be able to leave the ball alone. And he has had problems in white ball cricket when the ball has moved off the straight. So I would be a bit worried about him from that point of view. And also, it's just, it is a bit strange that now he's sort of inked into the team. Like, they're just, everyone decided, oh, well, Jason Roy is going to open in the Ashes when no one was calling for him to be included before now. You know, he wasn't in the squad in the West Indies. Like, it's strange that it's, he's suddenly a lock. Why, you know, it's, it's weird that he, he's not quite making his debut, but it's just a bit weird that he's getting his introduction to test cricket in the Ashes. It could have happened before but I suppose one argument there might be that they're you know they didn't want to affect his white ball form because that is a, a concern if he tries to adapt his technique for test cricket that could have a knock-on effect uh, on his white ball game and that they wanted to you know to wait until after the World Cup for that to, to take that risk this is this to me does seem like a logical time to introduce him uh, I, I, I mean I don't think you can be too harsh about you know whether he played and missed a few times or whatever against Ireland because you know, look down the, the, the scorecard, there's, you know, not a lot to shout about. Uh, but I don't and know. His, and, his, and his one innings as well. Yeah, two exactly. Innings, yeah. And I, I th- you know, I guess England to a certain extent have just run out of options at the moment mm. and bringing in a guy who, you know, at, at the very least will be very confident in himself and, and at least brings, yeah, a, a sort of weight of, uh, not, not experience in Tesco, but a, a bit of weight of cricketing experience internationally and kind of gravitas yeah exactly yeah. is a name and it, you know it's certainly <laughs> yeah true. yeah and and hey you know it, it may not come off but i don't know if, if not him who would you have in well no you're absolutely right and he he comes in with a track record of dominating international bowlers albeit in a different format but you know he's clearly got the talent which we don't know that we can say that about jay denley or rory burns so i'm i'm not against him playing i probably wouldn't be introducing him into an Ashes series, but I think it's the right decision. And also because, he, as you say, who else would it be? Like it, it does, it does make sense to give him a go. I'm just saying it's not guaranteed to pay off. You know, we saw Alex Hales brought in with a lot of the same arguments on both sides, and he didn't succeed. You know, there's a good chance that it won't come off. But I'm, I'm, I'm not against him playing at all. I, th- I, I, I think it's fair enough. I just the only thing I would say is I do think it's strange. And this kind of comes back to my kind of wider point about England. I do think it's strange that the England selectors have decided that the solution to their batting problems is to bring in another guy from the white ball team, because that has been the source of a lot of the issues is that they've got all these kind of uh, Hollywood white ball players and they haven't got players who are kind of knuckling down and and grinding out scores. Yeah, I mean, we will be 30 for four (laughs) almost every time we bat. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is, you know, you know with him, well, I don't know what's going to be going on in his mind in terms of you know what he what he's feeling, pressure or expectation, and and how it'll affect him. But he's produced on the biggest stage this year, so you know the one thing you know with him, he's not going to be overawed by the occasion or by the the cap or anything. Mm. You know, whereas 
you know, dropping in someone who's considerably much less international experience, you know, the dangers that they just get dominated and, and lost. Uh, look, if he comes off a few times, I, I, it'd be really interesting. Looking forward to seeing how he goes. And, you know, we'll come on to Australia in a minute, but yeah, it, you know, he's, he's up against it. Just going back to Joe Root, I noticed you kind of, you didn't want to talk about that. You moved me off that very quickly, <laughs> but I, 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 I spotted it, don't worry. Um, they're just like obviously a lot has been said about this move to three and I, I, I don't want to spend too long on it but and in a way I, I, I could totally understand that someone who isn't kind of massively into cricket it might be a bit baffling why there's so much conversation about whether Joe Root bats at four or three I mean how much difference does it make it doesn't necessarily make that much difference but the, the difference I suppose it does make is that at the moment like well first thing to say Joe Root is clearly the best batsman in the team by quite a long way and at the moment, the best batsman in the team is constantly coming in under pressure because he's coming in at 30 for two or 20 for two or 10 for two or three for two or whatever. So, you know, he's under pressure right away there. And I just think it makes more sense for him to come in at three where, yeah, he's going to be coming in at five for one probably. But he has more freedom then to play in. The, he's not always in this kind of recovery mode um, necessarily. And I just think that makes sense. And pe- on the other side of the argument, people would say, Oh, well, look at uh, Steve Smith. He bats at four. Virat Kohli bats at four. Tendulkar Lara used to bat at four. And that is all true. But in most of those cases, those players, yes, they batted at four, but they also had, you know, that there was also a world-class player batting at three. You know, for Tendulkar, it was Dravid. Uh, for Kohli, it's Pajara. Even Lara had Ramnaresh Sawan. All right, Steve Smith, you know, maybe that's not the case in the Australia team. But Smith's a different case because he... He struggles when the ball swings, so it makes sense to kind of protect him from the knee ball as much as he can. So it's just different for Joe Root, and I just think it, it just makes it makes a lot of sense to give your best player the best opportunity to kind of control the innings. Yeah, and obviously there's no reason why he shouldn't go back down to four at some point when England find a you know a gun three, mm. because you know on the surface anyway, you'd say Root is a sort of tailor made number four, isn't he? He's just the the kind of intensity the pace at which he bats and accumulates runs you know it's it, it sort of yeah if he was coming in in a, a slightly different situation as you say and not mm. not with England massively on the back foot then you know he, he's kind of built for that and um, he's got the flexibility to bat in in different ways yeah, yeah. but but certainly in, in this instance yeah and no, I, I I completely support it the only thing is, well, the two things are one, Root himself clearly doesn't want to bat three, and he's been very reluctant to move to three. So it, it's probably not a brilliant idea to have your number three going out there not feeling comfortable. I mean, he should feel comfortable, but he obviously doesn't for whatever reason. And the other thing is, I think this is a decision that has been made after they picked the squad for this test. So if Root was going to bat at three, might they have picked a slightly different squad? Because as it is, like if you just swap Root and Denley, like Denley at four doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me. So. Like it might have made more sense to say, bring back. Well, what I would have done is bring back Ben Folks, you know, and really kind of change things around, get Bearstow up the order a bit, or um, Stokes up the order. But that doesn't look like that's going to be what happens. But you know, I, I, I think it's a good decision. Sorry, there's a yeah. We'll let that go past. Please coming to arrest you. For I was going to say, yeah, the emergency services are coming for your punditry. <laughs> I mean, I guess with root the one thing you kind of want to see is him, you know, if he can get on top or at least, you know, get a, a, a decent score in early in the series, you know, how much that could be good for him in recent times. He seems to have, uh, it seems to be quiet early on, isn't he? And then he, he sort of pops up with a century kind of towards the tail end of the series. You know, from an England perspective, if he can have a good start first couple of tests, then it bodes well. Do you want to talk about Johnny Bairstow quickly? <laughs> he had a, a nightmare test against Ireland, bagged a pair there have to be a few concerns about his technique. Like he just keeps getting bowled through the gate. Happened again against Ireland. Then he was LBW through the gate in the second innings as well. I was listening to uh, Tuffers and Vaughan on the way here, although there was no Tuffers. So it was, it was Farbrace and Vaughan on the way here. And uh, Michael Vaughan, yeah, <laughs> as he always does, having a pop at Johnny Bairstow. But he was <laughs> saying, uh, he wheeled out a stat that he's been bowled 14 times in his last 31 innings, which is not a great, record really i mean i mean my records because i i i'm literally bold <laughs> i think 99 percent of my dismissals have been bold just well, missing well my next point here was going to be you know getting bold is a mark of not a very good player <laughs> uh, so that kind of underlines that point no i mean that's that's harsh but you don't see that many test match batsmen getting bold on a regular basis do you like it's just 
is not usually what happens um you know every now and again but not as a kind of regular mode of dismissal so there there is a question mark there and the his success in the white ball team is slightly masking what's happening or has been masking what's happening to him in the test team because yeah for, for the last two years so since the start of the 2017 English summer best he's averaging 29 in test cricket and in England he's only averaging 25 and he hasn't scored a century so you know it, it's his record is in test cricket is very much going downwards that's not to say that he's not going to he's obviously so talented that's not to say that he's not going to go out and have a great series but he is under pressure for his place where he should be because Ben Folkes was arguably England's best batsman over the winter and is not in the squad and you know I, I would be picking him ahead of Best at this point or at least him as with the gloves and, and let Bairstow concentrate on his batting. So, yeah, he, he's going to be under the microscope a little bit, especially if he struggles at edge Baston. Yeah, I think folks is, is, yeah, could be forgiven for being a, feeling a bit hard done by, you know, there aren't many, and it's a problem we talk, talked about before, isn't it? You know, it's been years really since England have introduced a batsman to the lineup who's stuck and, mm. and, and done well. And, and the list of names over the last kind of four, five, six years yeah, it's just a who's who of people that you'd be like, yeah, he's going to get 20. He's going to average 20 in this series. Uh, whereas folks, yeah, actually, yeah, as you, yeah, came in and, and, and did well and... Looked comfortable. Yeah, so... Well, he he has been injured as well, Ben Folks, although he is back playing now. But I don't think they'd have picked him anyway. Like they have, you know, they, they made the decision at the back end of the Caribbean tour that, you know, best I was going to have the gloves again, which I just thought was not only very harsh on folks on a kind of, personal level but just actually didn't make that much sense i sh- I, I shouldn't really listen to uh tough as important because <laughs> you uh, get annoyed it just makes me annoyed i, I mean yeah far was on that i don't really know i really like paul far and he did a magnificent job for england but i don't know why uh you know the media your media people keep hiring him <laughs> to do stuff you know to for punditry because he just doesn't want to give an opinion about anything that isn't just well no i think you know we need to back him because you know he's been brilliant for england um, but yeah, he was saying England's massive strength is in their middle order, kind of four to eight world-class middle order. And my question to that would be, is it? Uh, <laughs> because not seen that much evidence of that. I mean, like on paper, yes, but not necessarily in reality. Yeah, in the little rundown, the, the BBC the BBC website has a, a little yeah, rundown of predictions from various various people. Yeah. Paul Farbrace among them, he says, I think Moeen will be key with both bat and ball, which is a bold prediction, isn't it? Yeah. You know, on, on recent evidence. Well, in fairness to Moeen, he is the leading wicket taker in test cricket over the last year, which is quite a surprising stat, but it's true. But with bat, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I think he was batting four places too high at six. I mean, he's actually a tail ender at the moment. So yeah, I think the, the idea that he's going to be key with bat might be a bit optimistic. Well, should we move on to the bowling? We should probably speed this up a little bit. But um, yeah, England obviously got big worries in the batting. They'll be much more confident about their bowling. Spoiled for choice, really, in the seam bowling department. So Jofra Archer, World Cup hero, super over hero, is in the test squad for the first time. Does he play for you? Well, if he's fit, but yeah, he seems to be struggling a bit, doesn't he? uh, Spoken about his side injury. Side strain, yeah. Uh, So uh, he's been past fit. Yeah, I think... I think if he's fit, he plays, yeah. Yeah. The only thing is, right? I don't know what I said, right. The only thing, <laughs> right. Is, the only thing is right uh, is is Chris Wakes. So Wakes sort of arguably complicated things. Because I think England probably were, I think they probably had decided that they were going to play Anderson, Broad and Archer as their three seamers. But then Wakes went out and took six wickets against Ireland and was just a real handful. So dangerous in those kind of conditions. And how, you know, how do you leave him out now? He's got an incredible record in England. He's, he's played 15 test matches in England. He averages 21 with the ball. He also averages more than 40 with the bat. He got a test 100 last summer, don't forget. So, you know, arguably he's undroppable. But then Anderson's also undroppable. Stuart Broad's undroppable. And Archer's never played a test. So in a way, it's a bit of a no-brainer. But is it? Because Anderson, Broad and Wokes feels a bit one-dimensional, maybe. Mm. Do you need that extra pace from from Archer. But then, yeah, who do you leave out? It's no, a, I agree. It's, it's a bit it's of a, a conundrum. It's a conundrum. It, it is a conundrum. Yeah. Uh, What's your answer? I'm going to press you on this. I, I don't know. It is tough. And, you know, Edgebaston, you know, what, yeah, Wokes will love playing there. Home ground. Exactly. Uh, come back to me at the end. Okay. okay. But, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I take your point. And I think that given that Archer is potentially struggling, then 
you know, or though pass fit, maybe they'll they'll wait and see. Yeah, it just as I say, it just feels like Anderson Broad Wokes feels like it's an attack that makes a lot of sense at the moment with Archer being injured as well potentially. Um, but you know, all right, it's very it's a very different situation. But one of England's massive problems in the last Ashes series in Australia was that you know the the bowling attack was so slow, or well, there was so little pace in it. Yes, it's English conditions. It's different. It's going to be more about swinging and moving the ball, you know, where Wokes and Anderson Broad really come into their own. But I just would like to have the pace. And it doesn't have to be Archer. It could be Wood, although he's also injured. So I I, I don't know the answer. I don't know how you get them all in. You don't fancy Plunkett in the middle overs? <laughs> hey, by the way, just a note, there's at least a possibility that this could be Jimmy Anderson's last series. He's not said that. He may well want to keep going on and on. But he's 37 years of old now. <laughs> of old and uh, Jimmy of old you know there's a decent chance he'll get to 600 wickets in this series if England win it he might well think it's it's time just just something to bear in mind even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks Italian leather jackets and so much more And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. All right. Let's move on then. Let's pivot to the Aussies. Here's a, uh, here's a real incisive question for you, Tone. What do you make of the Aussies? Well, they've got it all to play for. And I think, well, the bowling's obviously top quality and, you know, they'll absolutely fancy themselves against, against this England lineup. The fact that, yeah, you know, as we said at the top, they haven't won in England for so long. Smith and Warner coming back in. You know, Warner had a stellar World Cup. Yeah, it, it, it could just be enough for them. I suspect Australia might win this, but we'll come on to the predictions. Whoa, hang on. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't show your hand, Tone. But there are, you know, there are obviously, there's, there's issues in the, the team and, and it, it, you know, it could go the other way. They could be, you know, if England get on top, you know, Australia could be found out. Yeah, so I mean, so, right, 18, so, so right. So, so take it from the top. Listen, right. So 18 months ago, they were comfortably better than England, weren't they, in, in that series, 4-0. You know, England didn't get anywhere near them. That was obviously in Australia, different conditions. You know, it has been the pattern for a long time that, you know, the Ashes is won by the home team. But at that point, I think we did think that they, despite, you know, the home away thing, that they were probably favourites for the next Ashes series in England because of the bowling attack, because of England's problems in the batting. They just looked a better team. But things really have changed in some ways since then. Obviously, sandpaper, gate, <laughs> caused a lot of problems and they've had problems on the field as well they lost at home to India over the the Australian summer so it hasn't quite you know the 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 previous you know the next 18 months didn't quite pan out in the way that we might have expected but I still think they are now coming into it with a strong team and and largely the strength is in that bowling attack isn't it and when you as as I said at the top when you add in the fact that England's batting looks so fragile that bowling attack, you you know, you just fear a bit for England, don't you? With with, well, I mean, it's so good that Josh Hazelwood might not play, which is extraordinary, really. Like Pat Cummins is arguably the best fast bowler in the world. Uh, James Pattinson is back, and the the Aussie seems to be very excited about the way he's bowling. So he's kind of muscled his way in. I mean, I actually would play Hazelwood ahead of Stark because I think in these conditions with with that red juke ball, I think Hazelwood could be pretty devastating. Um, but and then there's Nathan Lyon as well, Tim. Uh, yeah, I think you would say that the teams look pretty well matched. They're both strong in the bowling department, uh, and they both look vulnerable batting. So yeah, it, you know it is. It's kind of it's a tough call. 
who's going to fare better. As you say, though, that the Australian bowling attack looks scary, I think, from an England perspective, because the, the, the vulnerabilities, yeah, sort of dovetail very nicely into what Australia are going to chuck at them. I think, the, as you say, the batting does look a bit vulnerable, but it, you know, and, and that, that was a, a real problem for them over this Australian summer against India, but they were obviously without Smith and Warner. They had Smith and Warner now back, kind of bolstering that lineup. I mean, how do you think they're going to get on? It's obviously going to be pretty spicy. It's going to be some, uh, uh, some, some interaction with the crowd. But what about on the pitch? Do you expect those two to have a, to have a big impact? I mean, it could be, again, it, it's hard to know how it's going to play out. And that, and that is exciting. There are lots of exciting, maybe I'm getting more excited about the series. <laughs> I'm talking you into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, who, who knows what's happened to, to I, 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 in a way, I can only see Smith kind of getting better. Uh, you know, he's going to be absolutely, you know, maybe, maybe he'll push himself too hard kind of mentally. He'll be hungry. Yeah. He's going to be starving hungry. Yeah. He's going to be, desperate absolutely ravenous. to inflict some pain on yeah. England and you know it could be that he makes he, he could be the difference between the two sides if he gets in a few times that could, he could score enough runs on his own to to make up for you know his whole team so that, and that's that's really exciting to see it's going to there are going to be some fantastic battles and you know pot- yeah potentially Smith at the crease will be will be you know the the you know, those would be the passages of play that you kind of, you know, you, 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 you leave work for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you tell your boss you've got to go home for a family emergency. Yeah, exactly. For, um, well, Anderson Smith, yeah, that's, you know, that, that first time Smith comes in and Anderson's given the ball, I mean, that is going to be, that is going to be very tasty. I mean, Smith utterly crushed England's bowlers uh, in that last series down under. But it is it is different here. Like he like he does have a weakness against the swinging ball, and you know he had a very good series in 2015. But there were two Test matches where the ball swung, and three where it didn't. And in the two where it swung, he he was out cheaply every time. So like if you know, there's a lot of talk about this juke ball because uh, England have asked for the you know the same batch that was used in 2017 and 2018, <laughs> the vintage, the vintage which which swung loads. So if it does swing loads as it did against Ireland. You know, England will fancy their chances against Smith. If it doesn't swing, I think we will be seeing an awful lot of him at the crease this summer because when the ball doesn't move off the straight, it's it's almost impossible to get him out. Yeah, and I, I you know, and I think as well though, what you know, obviously his story over the last year or two, you know, what's happened to him, it, you know, I don't know, it, it could just it, he could double down on, you know, I, th- I think he could get through some of those sessions. I mean, we've talked about we've talked about this before, but you know, there's a lot of talk about the fact that. You know, there's kind of four, uh, four batsmen at the top of the game, and there's you know it's Coley, Root, Williamson, Smith as a sort of four greats of this era, um, all kind of sparing each other on. But actually, in Test match cricket, Steve Smith's record is so much better than the other three. Like he is out on his own, but unlike those other three, he he does have that weakness, and and England will will back themselves to exploit it if the ball swings. So it's it's going to be a really fascinating contest, as you say. And likewise, you know, talking about Smith and Warner, it might not take many runs to to swing matches one way or the other. And, and you know, again, Warner could well provide those runs. So uh, in, in a way that, you know, potentially England don't have, or, or, we, yeah. or certainly we, yeah. we know with less certainty whether they've got it. That's true. Yeah, they've, they've, they've have, as you say, got weapons in the batting that England perhaps lack. Uh, but... Having said that, around those, but England also have weapons. Well, England do, yeah. Butler yeah. can do can take the game away. Stokes can, Bearstay can. Roy potentially might be able to. So yeah, you're right. England do have weapons as well. And and around those two in the Australian batting, Smith and Warner, you know, the rest is perhaps not quite so eye catching. I'm quite a fan of Travis Head. I think he had a, a good start to his Test career, averaging over 50 in, albeit a small sample size so far, but averaging over 50 in Test cricket so far. Scored 100 against the Lions the other day, but. He's a good player, but England aren't going to be scared of him and they're not going to be scared of Kawaja or Bancroft or Marcus Harris, whoever opens the batting, either. So the only other thing that perhaps gives Australia an edge there is that I think they've got a lot more depth. Pat Cummins is a very handy batsman at number eight. Stark may or may not play. If he does, he's a good player lower down. James Pattinson is a very good batsman as well. Even Nathan Lyon scores runs. Whereas for England... Right, if Wokes plays, then yes. But if Wokes doesn't play, if Archer plays ahead of Wokes, England do have a very long tail, starting with Moeen at eight. Yeah, and you know, I think 
you know, it's easier to write off someone like Kawaja. I'm not writing him off. No, but you know, he's, he's still got a, a better test record than, than most of the players in, in England's team. So, uh, if and he, not all. Yeah. And he's got a phenomenal 100 in the UAE last year, like a, a yeah. you know, 100 that not many players could have played. Like he's, yeah, he's a, he's a class batsman. I just think England know they can get him out. Do you know what I mean? I mean I, yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of getting outs. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Uh, but, I, I, I just mean, you know, he may well have an excellent series. He may well score hundreds, but I just don't think England are going to be kind of up all night, Simpson style, <laughs> awake in the dark in the way that they might be about Smith and Warner. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, one player who's not made the, the team is Alex Carey, who, you know, had a phenomenal, you know, phenomenal World Cup. You not know, not squad either. No, exactly. And, you know, not hasn't necessarily got, you know, a, a remarkable first-class record, but certainly on form and, and from what we've kind of seen of him in an Australia shirt, yeah, I, I would possibly have, have, well, I almost certainly would have had him in my team. Yeah, I think... I mean, I, yeah, I, he, yeah, he was the he was probably one of the outstanding players. That, well, he was. He was in the team in the, the World Cup and, you know, there's a lot of different factors at play, but... Uh, you know, I think he's, he was so impressive that you'd be mad not to be, have him in your in your uh, in your thinking. The tricky thing is, though, that that Tim Payne is the captain. Well, that, and, yeah, and, that is a complicating factor, and he's the wicketkeeper, so there's actually no place for him. And not just Alex Carey, but Matthew Wade, who is in the squad, has piled up stacks of runs in domestic cricket. May well play as a specialist batsman, um, but that you know that is something that could be a bit of an issue because Tim Payne's a very nice guy. He's uh, a, a good captain, I think, and he's you know he's obviously was given a, a hospital pass and taking over after the, the sandpaper thing, and has sort of handled it as well as anyone could have been expected to. But actually, his form, certainly with the bat, has really tailed off. I mean, in that series down under eighteen months ago, he was excellent. It was a real thorn in England's side, and that was a kind of unexpected thing that happened. But since then, so in six tests over the Australian summer, he didn't reach fifty he's going to be under a lot of pressure and that's not necessarily what you want for your captain. So yeah, that is one, one area of concern perhaps. Okay. So after all that, I mean, what, what are the odds do you think on any of these matches going to a fifth day? Well, unless there's rain, I don't know. Someone was asking me this, one of these new cricket fans that after watching the world cup final, that just wants to talk to me about cricket now was asking me, Oh, so the ashes goes from Thursday to Monday. I was like, well, yes, if it goes to a fifth day, they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, it, you know, if the game finishes before then, then it won't go to fifth day. Oh, so it doesn't go to Monday. I was like, don't make any plans to watch the cricket on Monday. It's not going to happen. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, there is, you know, there is there's a bit of rain around at the moment. Well, true, yeah. So, uh, you know, that that could easily lead to, to, there could be a draw in there. You know, games could be, could be pushed onto that fifth day. But yeah, I think if, you, if you're playing if it's just a sort of a standard five days of overcast conditions, then yeah, I think, uh, real, I'm just get the real weather boffin over there. Too. Thanks Carol. Yeah. Good question. I don't know. What, what are the odds? Can you get odds on that? I don't know if you can get odds on that. It was more, it was a slightly flippant question. I understand. Which is, uh, which is my way, isn't it? You'd have to say it's, it's looking unlikely at the moment. Would you like a composite 11? That's all I came for. <laughs> well, I came for the croissants. <laughs> I stayed for the composite 11. So I've been up all night with this one, Tone. White eyeballs in the darkness thinking about this. Uh, so what I've done here is I've picked, I've looked at England and Australia. I've looked at their two 11s and I've picked one 11, a composite, if you will, uh, between the two. What do you make of this? So opening up, I've got Warner. And then this was very tough for his opening partner. And despite everything, all of my reservations I gave earlier, I've gone for Jason Roy <laughs> alongside him. But I mean, I just think... Warner Roy is a, <laughs> an ex it's an explosive opening pair, isn't it? It's pretty tasty. But I mean, it was either it would either have been Roy or Burns or Bancroft slash Harris. Tough call. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's opener, the opening slot's not necessarily the strength of, of either team. But yeah, so Warner and Roy. Then I've gone Root, Smith, Travis Head. Then I've got Stokes. Again, despite all my reservations, Bairstow. Uh, as the keeper then my three seam bowlers are Cummins Anderson and Josh Hazelwood even though I think he might not play but I, I would not only have him uh, for Australia I'd have him in this composite 11 and then uh, Nathan Lyon as the spinner so there's six Aussies and five England players in there what do you think Tony? I don't think you're far off I'd have Carey as my keeper <laughs> <laughs> right. uh yeah. And any other changes you'd make? I mean, it, no, I, I respect your decision there. I don't know. It's tough, isn't it? Because there's, 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 
it'd be it would be a very tough selection to make if you were to have to do it for real I, I, well i did have to do it for real so, <laughs> and it was very tough all right last thing of all then predictions who's going to win the series tone who's going to win the ashes very hard isn't it very I mean, you kind of very showed hard. your hand yeah earlier. i did i mean the, the bookies have got england as as slight favorites home advantage home advantage weight of recent history oh, i don't know it's really hard i'm gonna i'm gonna go australia i'm gonna go australia it's me there. lots of people calling three twos i don't know i thought yeah i'm gonna put one one rain affected draw in there three one australia wow okay that's fairly comprehensive I think Australia are going to win as well. I mean, I think in a vacuum, like if, if this was played on neutral territory, Australia would win. They'd, they'd definitely win in Australia. I think somewhere neutral, they'd win. I think they are the better team. In England, it really does even things up a lot. So I would not be shocked by an England win by any means. I wouldn't even necessarily be shocked by an England sort of 3-1, 4-1 win just because of the conditions, England's seen bowlers, everything else. But I do think Australia are stronger and I just fancy them this time. I fear for England's batting against that Aussie pace attack. I really do. I just struggle to see where the runs are coming from. So I'm going to go for Australia. But to be different to you, I'll also go for a draw, which seems ambitious. But I'll go I'll go two all with Australia retaining the Ashes. Wow. Which would be a cracking series, wouldn't it? It would, would be a good end game, yeah. It does pan out like that. Um, oh, one, one other thing to add is, is where these tests are played. So the first test is at Edgbaston, where England have a phenomenal record and Australia have a very poor record. So if England do win there, you know, kind of hit the ground running, then it, it does set them up for a series. But if Australia win there with, you know, Lords and Headingley to come where they'll, you know, they'll be more comfortable, it, it could look tough for, for England from that point. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for the ashes or at least the the men's ashes because the the women's ashes uh has been going on over the last few weeks uh it's it's a it's about to finish tonight we're recording this on on wednesday morning it's going to finish wednesday evening with the the third and final t20 for anyone who's not aware it's it's a multi-format series so the odis were first then we have the test match then the t20s and the results from all of those uh count towards you get points for for winning each of those games and eventually determine a winner across the three formats but it hasn't been difficult this time because so far at least with one game to go australia have won everything the test was a draw but all the limited overs games australia have won and won easily um it's not really been much of a contest this time Tone. australia uh, just much too good yeah at least it's perry. been very one side has it i mean yeah at least perry in particular is it's fairly remarkable, isn't she? We, we, you know, we, we've spoken about her for years and, you know, she's now really kind of you know, hammering home that ability, isn't she? Yeah, it's, it's a shame it hasn't been more competitive. I think, you know, England, since that World Cup win, have, have sort of, you know, they've, they've taken a step back a bit, haven't they? Or that they're, it, it, you know, they're sort of trying to find a bit of momentum, a mm. bit of direction. Treading water a bit. Uh, whereas Australia, yeah, just seems to be that much stronger now. It's interesting, though. It's, there's been a lot of debate, hasn't there, about the format... Again, whether it's, you know, what does it, does it, you know, the, the series has looked pretty wrapped up. Go, certainly going, once Australia had won those first three ODIs, you know, going into the test match, which obviously the, the weight of the, you know, the balance of the points and then, you know, to have a, a, to, a no result there effectively. Mm. It, yeah, it didn't, it didn't set things up particularly well. Should the test match be first? I mean, ar- yeah, I mean, arguably they should just play three test matches. Oh, well, anyway, disappointing uh, for... England's women, uh, for, from an England point of view, be hoping uh, that, that England's men fare rather better. But we'll see. It's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting series. It's going to be an exciting series. We will be bringing you podcasts through the series, although it might not necessarily be after every Test match as we would normally do, just because things are a little bit on the busy side. At the yeah. Moment. We didn't mention at the top, but you've had a fairly, uh, you know, not only did England win the World Cup <laughs> yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago, but you, yeah, you've had a fairly eventful eventful week or two. Yeah, it's been really eventful. England won the World Cup. Uh, I then watched England get bowled out for 85. Uh, I've started re-watching Veronica Mars. There's been a lot going on. Busy. And I had a baby as well. Congrats. Yeah, thanks very much. He's here. He's arrived. His name is, I'll just consult my notes here. His name is Teddy. Do you have a...
Teddy Raphael de Montre Bayfield. It's a bit of a mouthful. Strong name. Very strong name. And uh, did he did he see any of the Ireland Test match? He did. Well, he uh, he was crying when England got bowled out for eighty five. He wasn't the only one. Um, but then, yeah. But then I sat and watched it with him. Uh, I, I sat and watched Wakes and Broad bowl Ireland out for thirty eight with him on my lap. Do you feel like he's got the bug then? Is he, he in? Is he in? He was wearing his England cricket top. He's been wearing that all the time, which is England cricket onesie, which he, you guys bought for him. That's good, actually, isn't it? Though, you know, that'll be, that'll, you know, he'll always remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he will, to be honest. No, I suspect it might have washed he over somewhat. He, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't say anything. <laughs> no uh, chat. <laughs> no chat at all. But no, he's... Uh, he's it's like a, Gordon McRae. He's a pretty cool little dude. Well, he's, yeah, you know, he's he's either it's going to go either what you know it's going to go one of two ways, and either he's going to love cricket, and you're going to pass on the that love of it, the joy that it brings, and he's going to play cricket po- po- almost certainly better than you, or you're just going to he's just going to think you're so uncool, yeah, that you're going to completely turn him off it. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, push it on him so aggressively <laughs> that there's a very good chance. I'd say there's a much stronger chance that it'll that it'll turn him off it. But yeah, didn't name him Atherton in the end. I pushed hard for it, but in the end, I was I was outvoted. Um, but yeah, and then Tony didn't come into the consideration. That, that's like a sort of a, a, a silent middle name. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Uh, Teddy Raphael, brackets Tony Demondre Bayfield. He's had a cuddle with you actually. Yeah. Already on like day day two or day three, I think. This poor life. little thing. <laughs> yeah. To have to deal with that so early on. Yeah. yeah, he cried after that as well. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, no, well, congratulations! Exciting. Mm, thanks. Yeah, different world, isn't it now? Yeah, life's changed, mate. Life has changed. You see a few grey hairs coming in. Uh, it's worrying. If you went back and listened to this, the first podcast, we'd probably be regaling you guys with tales of debauchery and Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah, uh, debauched Mario Kart. Yeah, and, and now, yeah, now it's all changed. Now it's all changed. Now Story I'm, of our lives. Now I'm at home watching Veronica Mars with a baby <laughs> on my lap. It's, it's really, life's really changed. I've really grown up. Well, you, oh, well, well, we'll have to get him on the pod at some point. <laughs> he's probably got more, he's probably got more to say than Gordon McRae. We certainly watched more of the Ireland Test match than I did. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of debauchery, you, you had a fairly debauched weekend. Do you want to go into it? Well, debauched might be a bit strong. But you had a, you had a, a big weekend, two weddings. Yeah, a double wedding. All this kind of, um, you know, sort of frivolous, shallow stuff that you childless people get up to. Yeah, exactly. Drinking and, and whatnot. Last days of Rome. It was, uh, no, it was, it was, yeah, it was a heavy weekend, for which I'm still paying the price. <laughs> yeah, four, five days later. Yeah. It was kind of long, yeah. Well, get your eye in on the Thursday night. Big wedding Friday. First thing, Saturday had to fly home. Red eye home, yeah. Straight into the next wedding. Another late night. It's good. I'm a big boy, though, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, handled it. No, it's... It, yeah, very nice weekend. You bottled it, though. You, this baby's got in the way already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was it? Was that Was that noted? I mean, I was... It was probably... My absence was probably noted in that I was meant to be best man at this wedding. Yeah. <laughs> but it decided to have a baby instead. Uh, no, understandable. No, it was, it was good. Yeah, very good fun. Tired. Yeah, you look tired. You look tired, sound tired. Big yawn there. I do need a nap. You look like Teddy. <laughs> all right, we, we can leave it there if you like, Tane. All that remains to be said is that if you enjoy the podcast, there are various things you can do to get more involved in it. Uh, when I'm watching the cricket, I'll probably be tweeting about it during the Ashes. So we're on Twitter at Cricket Show. We're on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Cricket Show. We're on Instagram at World Cricket Show. You can write us a little email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support what we do, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash cricket show, just to uh, help us fund our croissant budget. Uh, and the other thing that you might want to do to help out is uh, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you use, because that really does help to bring new people to the show, which with an ashes going on, you know, seems like an appropriate time to do it. But yeah, that's it, I think. Stay in school, everyone. Cheers, Tone. Thanks a lot for the tea, and the, pleasure. For the tea and the croissants. I think you'll agree, though, that the jam was the real highlight. The jam was good. Good jam. Bad for the environment, but good for this. <laughs> what little plastic containers. Yeah. God. You love single-use plastic. Don't, <laughs> don't yeah. tell Attenborough. He's going <laughs> to be on my case again. All right. Bye for now. Speak to you in a bit. Cheerio.
fucking smell your fear Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 